0: xbox on welcome to xbox on a podcast with one host about one console xbox i'm said host jesse Derosa, and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest xbox news for the week of november 24th 2022 including the ftc may be trying to further scrutinize the xbox activision deal sony has a lot more to say as to why microsoft should not be allowed to purchase activision volition is being folded into the borderlands developer gearbox and more happy thanksgiving On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2003, Spy Hunter 2 released for the original Xbox in the U.S., published by Midway, developed by Rockstar San Diego, who at the time were Angel Studios. This is a—I uh, I actually have like really little to know of understanding of what Spy Hunter was. It's—it's it's a game I feel like I've seen the cover for a million times. I've never had any interest in playing it. I uh, never had, yeah, I, I never—I never got my hands on it or looked into it in any way, but. I, I just know that it was a moderately well liked and well remembered OG Xbox game. I know it has racing in it, but I don't know that's necessarily a racing game. I don't know, you know, as the name suggests, if maybe there was a little bit more to it than just your standard like Need for Speed racing. But uh, Spy Hunter Two, I know people really love that game. I have just so little memory of what the hell it is, and but it is a uh, it, it is one of those games. Like I see the name, I see the box art, I can picture it well. It's just one of those things that does bring me back to the days of uh, the OG Xbox, when Tobey Maguire was a young 28-year-old man pretending to be a 16-year-old high school student. Those were the days. Guys, welcome back to the Xbox On Podcast, episode 182, for the week of Thursday, November 24th. So that means if you're in the U.S., happy Thanksgiving. And if you're not in the U.S., you don't know what I'm talking about. And if you're in Canada, you're like... Thanksgiving was a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, not that Thanksgiving, asshole. But anyway, welcome to Xbox On, we're glad to have you here, regardless of where you're from. And, uh, I don't know, I, I, I want to be a little upfront about this. I'm really excited to talk to you this week about the games I've been playing. It's a really exciting time of the year for gaming, as I've been saying every week for the past couple weeks. And that still remains true, we got Evil West, which just came out this week. So I'm excited to get into that with you guys, but unfortunately, on the news front... We have so many stories that came out this week pertaining to Sony and their never-ending bitching about Xbox and Activision and different regulatory bodies across different parts of the world, bitching and moaning and scrutinizing the deal, and honestly, I don't really give a shit anymore, and I know many of you don't either, so I do just want to be a little upfront about that. While, yeah, we do have news that isn't related to that, a lot of the news this week is, and so I am going to try to read through our updates with... The assumption that everyone in the audience knows kind of what's up, at least until this point, just so we can kind of weed out redundancies and avoid making the same points we've made a million times at this point. Really out of respect for both your time and mine. I know many of us, like I said, have just really gotten tired of talking about this story. So I'm going to try to... You know, while, while this big overarching story of the year that just keeps reoccurring this microsoft is buying activision you know kind of deal while it's been coming up like crazy throughout the year i feel like this week we got a lot of it so yeah just prepare yourself i am going to try and approach this these new updates without trying to get into the minutiae and the same talking points we've had over the past couple months so hopefully that should add some kind of levity and some freshness to the uh, ...to the already tired story, but God, don't y'all just wish this deal were over with already? But I don't mean to make it seem like this podcast is going to be a bad week at all, because, well... My metrics depend on you staying and not clicking off. So let me just lie to you and say, wink, wink. This is an amazing episode. Phil Spencer will be on the latter half of the show right now. He's in my bathroom taking a huge D-U-M-P, but he is sure to come out and join us this week. So you don't want to go nowhere. Don't fucking touch that dial, baby. But in the meantime, while we wait for Mr. Philly to get out of there, I'd be done making his (laughs) cheesesteak in my one-bedroom apartment's bathroom. Uh, (laughs) I figured we would, uh, as we've been doing during the busier season of the year for gaming, mention the notable games that have come out this week. And for this week, it is one I already mentioned just a moment ago, but let's talk about it in more uh, in more of a spotlight manner. Out this week, we've got Evil West, which just came to Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, as well as PC. It came out November 22nd. It is available now. It's uh, being published by Focus Entertainment, developed by Flying Wild Hog, which are the guys that make the Shadow Warrior games. In fact, Shadow Warrior 3 just came out earlier i think this spring so this is the second high profile you know quote unquote high profile game they put out this year they're kind of a double a developer if you will so you know as high profile as it gets for a developer of this tier this is their second big title and uh what i've really been looking forward to in recent months so i am excited to talk to you guys about that and what i've been playing but that's the big game of this week i mean it keeps going guys we got warhammer next week we got callisto protocol coming up we already got Pentiment, and somerville and call of duty and sonic and god of warfare over on playstation as well and been a really good past couple of weeks for gaming and uh we got we got a few more good ones to to continue to look forward to so evil west is the big one for this week a feast of a game fit for the thanksgiving holiday if you ask me but all right all that cringing aside let's uh let's jump into our real opening segments the updates the stories of mild amusement and uh I, don't know, I used to put a third thing there, but I, I, don't, I don't have it written down, so I can't remember. But anyway, first things first, for this segment, we only have to bring up the Activision deal with Xbox one time, okay? So we'll just knock it out uh, up top, and then we'll get into all the other stuff, okay? So <laughs> VGC reports, Microsoft has reportedly, and, and like I said, we're going to try to weed out any redundancies and things we've already mentioned, so we'll just try to keep it brisk and moving along uh, with mostly just new information and uh, with the guys that you're you're well-versed in all the context surrounding the the, uh, the ongoing story. So, VGC reports, Microsoft has reportedly offered Sony a deal that would see the Call of Duty franchise remain on PlayStation for a decade. The Xbox maker told the New York Times that they had offered a 10-year deal to Sony on November 11th this year. Sony declined to comment on on the claim, and in September, Xbox boss Phil Spencer, also known as the motherfucking CEO of gaming, said that Microsoft had committed to making Call of Duty available on PlayStation for, quote, several more years after Sony's current deal with Activision expires, which will reportedly follow a release of a new Black Ops game from developer Treyarch in 2024. However, PlayStation boss Jim Ryan, who is reportedly seeking access to the future Call of Duties on equal terms, in perpetuity, responded publicly by calling those Microsoft proposals for keeping the series on PlayStation, quote, inadequate on many levels. So again, we already talked about this the other week, Microsoft saying, Phil Spencer pretty bluntly putting it, be kind of dumb for a big corporation to put something so final in ink when you don't know how the market's going to look 10 years, 20 years down the road. So we're probably never going to say never, you know, that Call of Duty will never be console exclusive. But uh, we are pretty comfortable saying that for the foreseeable future, we don't see why we wouldn't put it on PlayStation. It's untenable. It's un- it just doesn't make sense to keep this game from PlayStation for everyone, for players and ourselves. And uh, here they are putting up another offer saying, hey, we'll give you at least a decade's promise of Call of Duty on PlayStation. And so, again, it's especially when we're talking about Xbox kind of putting themselves out there making the claim. How, how many times does it make it clear? Place, uh, the, the Call of Duty on PlayStation going nowhere. So that is the most, like, kind of small-scale bit of information we got regarding the story this week, but the other stories that are, pertain to the Activision-Microsoft deal are much bigger, and that's why they're in the main news segment, but that's it for the stories of mild... or the, the small updates and stories of mild amusement, you know, as far as what, what goes into that. Let's continue on with our stories of mild amusement and updates with uh, non Activision, Microsoft news. All right, this is a fun one. Maybe we should have started off with this just just for the just because of how exciting it is. And I don't know. I think it's cool. Microsoft announced this week Black Friday. You know, well they didn't announce Black Friday. Black Friday would happen with or without Microsoft, but Microsoft announced for Black Friday as part of Black Friday. Uh, one of the deals that they are offering is a temporary fifty dollar reduction on the price of the Xbox Series S, the three hundred dollar Xbox. So for us in the U.S. This means the $299 console will now cost $249, uh, and that is available beginning now. You don't have to wait until Black Friday. Obviously, at the time this show is going live, we're just hours away from Black Friday, and I guess Black Friday kind of begins in, like, July now, so there's no real, like, start or end date. But y- y- you know what I mean. It's it's beginning now, and it's running probably through the— I wouldn't be surprised if they really run this through the rest of the year, to be quite honest, but they're saying it's for Black Friday or the Black Friday season, whatever. Um, in Canada— It is dropping from 3.79 Canadian dollars to 3.19. They haven't made word outside of the U.S. and Canada. They haven't made uh, any mention of it dropping price elsewhere. Uh, For example, right now in the U.K., it's still running for its regular 249 pounds. So the price doesn't seem to be affected in other territories. It seems like just another one of those perks and benefits uh, for us North Americans. So sorry to the rest of the world. I don't know why we get such unfair treatment. But uh, please don't be mad at us. Now... In addition to just that about the Xbox Series S, you know, you think I don't really want a Series S? I already have a Series S. Who gives a shit? There are other Black Friday deals Microsoft announced uh, for Xbox, including and, right, and this is right now. Uh, right now, Xbox wireless controllers uh, are like thirty percent off. Uh, the Steel Series accessories for Xbox and PC are up to forty percent off. We got up to sixty percent off Power A mobile accessories. Two hundred dollars off Bang and Olufsen portal for Xbox, the speaker for Xbox. Uh, up to sixty bucks off the the rust master accessories i don't know what the fuck those are up to 80 dollars off select razor accessories for xbox i need to look into that because razor accessories are awesome and incredibly overpriced so it'd be nice to see if i can get that sonic the hedgehog controller for 80 bucks off but anyway so yeah that's all that's all begun now and there's tons of games that are going to be on sale for black friday on the xbox store so be sure to check your consoles and check your apps and such like that to see the latest deals going on tons of good opportunities to get some good games and gaming accessories and in this case gaming hardware for pretty good pretty good price so there was also uh, I, I, I don't i think at the time this is going live it's not going to be available anymore so that's why i'll kind of throw it in at the end as a maybe maybe it's there maybe it's not um, if you buy an xbox series s or x through the through instagram through the microsoft store's instagram page because instagram allows you to shop within the app you get 20 percent off your first purchase so you get like another 50 bucks off the xbox series s 100 bucks off the series x roughly and so that's a really good deal um i saw it tweeted out by warrior 64 on twitter now that might that 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 deal might already be gone by the time you're hearing this which is why i kind of slipped in at the end but in case it's not in the event it's not might be something worth looking into as well you might be able to get a series s potentially for uh, roughly 200 bucks us which is an ins- like just a stupid good deal 199 dollars for an xbox series s yeah just i mean i, I i'm going to impulse buy one if i can get it for 200 bucks you know how can you say no? Anyway, moving on, try to be a little less consumer-focused, a consumerist focus, a little less consumerism, global capitalism-focused. Let's talk about Battlefield 2042. This is funny. This is actually kind of falls into the category of correction while also being an update, uh, because last week the rumor was going around that Battlefield 2042 would be hitting Game Pass through EA Play pretty damn soon, whenever Season 3 would launch, and I speculated that would be early, early 2023, uh, and then like 10 hours after I said that, EA confirmed that Battlefield 2042 will be made available on Xbox Game Pass Ultimate through EA Play on November 22nd. So, at the time you're listening to this, it's already on It's already on EA Play, which means it's already available for Game Pass Ultimate subscribers. So, I was wrong. But this is a good I was wrong because it means it's available now. But it's also bad I was wrong because, god damn, there are so many freaking games right now. But yeah, so... This thing is up now. You can go ahead and play it if you're a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber or an EA Play subscriber. All right, and then next up, this is a, uh, I guess, kind of sad, really, really, like, just what the fuck kind of story here. Uh, The the father of Sonic the Hedgehog, my my former Sonic daddy, uh, Yuji Naka, has reportedly been arrested (laughs) in relation for an ongoing um, insider trading investigation going on at Square Enix. Uh, Japanese news site FNN Prime Online reports that Yujinaka is now the latest suspect in a case regarding insider trading surrounding a new Dragon Quest game on mobile. Uh, last week on Thursday, two former Square Enix employees were arrested in Tokyo as part of the suspect inside, a, inside trading scheme. Taisuke Sasaki and Fumiaki Suzuki were arrested for acquiring stock in Japanese developer Aiming shortly before it was announced that it is working on a new Dragon Quest title. The two were reportedly purchasing around 47 million yen or 336 million, uh, sorry, 336,000 US dollars worth of stock in aiming just before it was publicly confirmed that the development of the mobile title Dragon Quest Tactics uh, or before the game had probably been announced. Now, according to the FNN, the Tokyo District Public Prosecutor's Office Special Investigation Department—oh, that just rolls off the tongue—has also arrested Naka for a similar potential infringement. It's alleged that before Dragon Quest Tactics uh, or tact was announced, Naka, who was working on Balan Wonderland for Square Enix at the time, purchased approximately 10,000 shares of Aiming stock valued at around. million yen or 20,000 US dollars by purchasing the stock before the announcement. The belief is that there that three suspects may have known uh, knowingly used insider information in order to later sell stock again when it's valued increase. Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of this is weird. This is (laughs) so fucked. Uh, So Yuji Naka, basically the guy responsible for Sonic as we know it has been arrested for, for using insider information to try and basically flip 20 20 grand worth of uh of of Square Enix stock over a new Dragon Age game coming to mobile or not Square Enix stock uh, stock and aiming the developer of this Square of this Dragon Age or Dragon Quest goddamn Dragon Quest we know it's Dragon Quest not Dragon Age cuz if it was Dragon Age the game would never actually come out uh, we know it's Dragon Quest because we're talking about Japanese developers, and uh, Dragon Quest is one of the most fucking Japanese things in the world. But anyway, yeah, I man I, I don't I don't know what to say about this. I mean, Naka hasn't been involved in so- you know, just to clear Sonic's name from the record, you know, because that's what I'm really here to, here to do. Naka hasn't been inv- involved in Sonic. he left Sonic Team, I think, after Sonic Heroes, uh, if I believe. I think he left, like, during the development of Sonic 06. So he really hasn't been part of the Sonic family in almost 20 years at this point. So, you know, that's what he's most known for. But he's been long gone doing random miscellaneous side projects here or there. He had that game on Wii U that bombed. I forget the name of. He had that game on Wii that did okay. I think the Wii U game was a sequel to the Wii game. I forget completely what that game was called. He did Battle in Wonderland, most, Wonder World most recently, which absolutely bombed. And there's all the uh, the the background story we've learned about that in recent you know in the, in the past year or so so this guy's been coming up a lot lately and it's never really in a good way and unfortunately uh n- now the dude's arrested for insider trading so uh I don't I don't really know how to handle this one I don't know what to say uh, I'm not sure if this is like um, uh I hope this is all big misunderstanding and his name is cleared and the guy's good or shame on him I hope he learns his lesson but um yeah I mean it's not it's not my proudest moment it does it does suck a little bit for sonic that you know he just had a new game come out there's a lot of hype around Sonic. People are surprised the new game's kind of good. He's got a new Netflix show coming out in a month or so, and then oh, what do you know? His dad's getting arrested again for being a public drunk. It's like that kind of thing. It's like you know, finally, finally becoming famous, and proving your family that proving to them that they were wrong about you, and that you you are somebody, and you are gonna do something that matters in this world. And then just as you you get your big break, dad gets naked and drunk and. Uh, shows his penis on TV to millions of people around the world and you're uh, publicly humiliated and shamed for the rest of your life and well that's where Sonic is right now you happy Yuji Naka you showed your damn penis on TV and now Sonic's embarrassed and this is supposed to be his time to shine because he just got a new game that doesn't suck can you believe it? one asshole anyway let's move on (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, not surprising yet still disappointing news, uh, let's talk about Dead Island 2. Uh, Embracer Group have confirmed that the long-awaited Dead Island 2 has been delayed yet again. Most recently scheduled for release on February 3rd, the game will now launch on April 28th for the Xbox Series SX1 or Xbox 1 and PC via the Epic Games Store, first announced in 2014. Yes, that's right. By the time this game comes out, it'll have been it'll be 9 years removed from its announcement. The zombie action RPG sequel has suffered a series of delays and changes of developers. It was originally in the works from Spec Ops, the line studio Jaeger before development duties were taken over by Sumo Digital. Dan Buster, an internal Deep Silver studio, then took over development again in 2019. Dan Buster, most recently known for Homefront the Revolution, the sequel to the Homefront series uh, that was actually, you know, the sequel was widely uh, written off as a pretty shitty game, but apparently they fixed it and made it much better over Over some patches, but, uh, Dan Buster, not a great team with a great track record, but nonetheless, they've been working on basically the third iteration of Dead Island 2 and the many times it's been, uh, developed and then canceled and then internally developed and canceled again. Uh, but in this statement released to Twitter... Uh, released via Twitter regarding the delay. Dan Buster and Deep Silver said that they plan to show off more of the game during Dead Island 2's presentation on December 6th. So I guess on December 6th, they're going to have a, some form of a Dead Island presentation that no one, I guess, asked for. But here we go. That's uh, two days before the Game Awards, just so we know. That's, God, we're we're two weeks away from the Game Awards. That's crazy. But yeah, that's, that's that. <laughs> so Dead Island 2, uh, if you're looking forward to it, I'm sorry. But also, shame on you. You should know that Dead Island 2 is never actually going to come out. So you can put that, I, I guess, on your wish list right next to Dragon Age, whatever the new one's called. All right. That seemed a little like uh, dour, I guess. But that's it for all the stories of mild amusement and updates. We got hopefully some more upbeat news in the main segment. But, yeah, we, we talked about, let's see, we talked about some arrests. We talked about Sony bitching and moaning more, about Call of Duty. Talked about uh, more delays. Hey, but Battlefield's on Game Pass now. That's good. Right? The one everyone hated. Uh, okay uh let's we'll jump into the news as we always do but that's we, you know we don't go head first we're not like that we like to wine and dine before we get fucked so before we have to read more about why sony's mad about xbox let's first take a minute to talk about the games we've been playing this week this is the exciting part this is the fun part but you know before i can tell you about the games i've been playing this week i gotta stop and tell you real quick about what i've been eating because you need that gamer fuel to play those games baby and uh yeah i got nothing in terms of what i've been eating the past few days but what i will say is we're on the eve of thanksgiving god damn it so what i am going to be eating hopefully within the next 24 hours is thanksgiving and uh let me let me, let me, let me ask xbox on listeners especially those of you in uh thanksgiving uh celebrating households what are you doing for thanksgiving you see the thing is I, I don't know if i talked about this last year but i take so much pride in this because because i had this like epitome last year you know where i'm like why do you? Why does Thanksgiving have to be Thanksgiving food? Because let's be honest. Yes, Thanksgiving food is iconic. It it definitely does a great job of encapsulating this time of year and, and the meaning of Thanksgiving. There's just something about like the the table set with the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes that does feel so like warm and and hearty and just feels like a nice family holiday. It it, it it's it's great. It encapsulates what the what the holiday sets out to be all about very well. Nothing against the aesthetic of Thanksgiving in that regard, but I gotta be honest, I've always found the meal of Thanksgiving to be somewhat underwhelming, just for the simple reason that turkey kind of sucks, and then all the sides, while very good, generally speaking, it's just carbs on carbs on carbs, end up just making you be filled with instant regret. So, you know, when when I first moved here, when I first moved out of the house, moved down to Florida... Me and my girlfriend, you know, we're away from family. We're kind of doing this thing on our own. For the first year, we tried to do our own proper Thanksgiving, and that was it. Was fine. It was it was good. All things considered, you know, not bad. But then we quickly realized you don't have. Well, Wait, shit. I guess this is our fourth Thanksgiving here. What the hell? How's that work? Yeah, that's how math works, I guess. Anyway, what we quickly realized is you don't have to uh, make Thanksgiving food. Like when when you're in a situation where it's like, okay, I'm I'm not going to see the family for Thanksgiving this year. I'm not coming home. You don't have to follow the tradition. You can do whatever the fuck you want. So why am I going to go spend a bunch of money on a turkey when I don't even really give a shit about turkey other than like a, a, a cold cut sandwich with some turkey on it, you know? So we decided to throw things out the window last year and just kind of start from scratch and do our own thing. And with this year, we're going to continue with that. And so for us, our tradition for Thanksgiving has become all about this uh, prime rib steakhouse kind of motif that we've been doing. And it's it's really quite great. So instead of like turkey, yams, cranberry sauce, stuffing mashed potatoes, we do a prime rib. That's the center of it all. I got mine seasoned, dry aging right now. Well, not really dry aging, but you know, setting at least in the fridge right now, getting ready to be popped in the oven tomorrow. So you get the you get the prime rib, you get some mashed potatoes, make some mac and cheese, some cream spinach, some asparagus, uh, you know, do some like nice bread you know, like a nice bread service to go with the cream spinach as like a little snackable thing, some cheese, some cheeses maybe to mess around with, and then a nice chocolate cake for dessert. You know, you get some bourbon, make some bourbon old fashions. To me, this is the perfect Thanksgiving because this is taking everything that's great about Thanksgiving, the being, the togetherness, the celebrating with those you love, having a nice meal, but you're getting to do it with the food that actually makes sense to you, the food that you actually love. So for us, it's become... Prime rib, steakhouse-style dinner, bourbon old-fashions, chocolate cake, prime rib. Couldn't be happier. But what I want to pose to you, the audience, is what is your Thanksgiving tradition? Do you guys do traditional Thanksgiving? Do you do chicken instead of turkey? Do you do ham instead of turkey? Do you do lobster instead of turkey? Or do you do turkey? And if so, why do you do turkey? I would like to know. For a 10% coupon off turkey, please write in with the hashtag XboxOnTurkey. So that yeah, that's me. Hey, look at me. I'm like a, I'm like one of those YouTubers that stops after every every topic and I was like, what do you guys think about this? Blah blah blah. Drop a comment and a like. Thanks. Anyway, I just I just thought that'd be interesting to wonder, you know, to, to find out what are the listeners of Xbox on eating. We do know there's definitely a mental deficiency with people that host and or listen to this podcast. And so I would like to know what kind of fuel uh, you're putting in the tank, so to speak. That maybe oh, is that Phil Spencer coming out of the bathroom ready to come record? Oh no, he's he's going back in. He'll be back in a little minute. Don't don't worry, guys. I'm not lying to you. Phil Spencer's definitely here. Uh I thought I saw him opening the door, but no, he's he's going back in there. I guess I guess uh yeah, I guess the queso he ate earlier tonight really fucked up his stomach. So he'll be here later, don't worry. Anyway, so that's it for what I've been eating. Now let's move on to the games I've been playing. I've got three games to talk about this week, and so I think I'll talk about them in order of you know, Sonic because it's a follow up. And then the other two, which is newer newer stuff to, to say, right? So Sonic Frontiers, uh, surprise, surprise, I wrapped up the game this week. I did finish it um, on Sunday night. I, I beat the game. I rolled the credits around the 24-hour mark. So it took me a full day of playtime to beat Sonic Frontiers. Now, I, I see most people seem to be beating it within, like, around 15, 15-plus 15 hours. For me, I really took my time exploring the islands, trying to 100% the maps on every island before I moved on to the next part of the game. So I I, I took it a little slower than most. Um, but honestly, just from a runtime perspective, Sonic Frontiers is the longest Sonic game I think there is. I, I, I think that's absolutely the truth. I, I can't think of another Sonic game that has a campaign runtime as long as this. And the, the great thing about it is it's completely... The game completely warrants its runtime. It doesn't feel like it goes on too long. It doesn't feel like it's too short. It, it really does hit a sweet spot on its runtime. I will say... In terms of how they handled the last boss in this game, I did feel like they kind of rushed some things and, and didn't make it quite... I wouldn't say rush, but they just didn't make it quite as epic as it could have been. Sonic games usually have pretty like famously epic last bosses, and I don't think it's that this game's last boss wasn't like epic. I think it has to do more with the fact that every other boss in this game feels like... has such like final boss energy that by the time you get to the final boss in this game, it feels like almost in a way just another boss, but plussed up a little bit. And um, I guess that was a a little bit of a disappointment for me, but generally speaking, I yeah, man, I, I'll keep it brief because I know last week I spent like 30 minutes talking about this game and a couple of you guys were rubbed the wrong way by that, which, you know, fuck you. If you don't like Sonic Frontiers, clearly there's something wrong with you. I'm, yeah, I'm going to flip the script. That's right. I'm uh, what is it? What is that called? I'm gaslighting you. Uh, yeah, you, if you don't like Sonic Frontiers, you're the problem. But no, all joking aside, I... <sighs> I genuinely love this game. I have plenty of criticisms of it, nitpicks. There's tons of little quality of life things they could definitely improve. But at the end of the day, I am just completely blown away um, that you know, following Sonic Forces, um, Sonic Boom, Sonic, uh, what else? Sonic Lost World. Um, just all these, all these recent, even Sonic Generations, this the Sonic game that people like from recent history. You know, Sonic Generations, really fun game, really great gameplay. God awful story, stupid idea for a game, uh, but really, really fun. You know, gameplay. I, I just, I just didn't think that we could get a Sonic game like this in 2022. You know, I, I, I didn't know we were capable of still having this level of a uh, commitment to Sonic, whether it be. Polish, uh, just commitment to a philosophy and a game design, um, care and consideration for the story and the characters. Uh, I, I, you know, originally Sonic Unleashed from 2008 was supposed to be kind of like the spiritual successor to Sonic. Um, Uh, Adventure 1 and 2, which are the most beloved 3D Sonic games. Uh, But, you know, I got to say, having played Sonic Frontiers, I think this is the game. You know, if if you're someone who grew up on the Sega Dreamcast or the Nintendo GameCube loving the Sonic Adventure games and then, like, from there kind of fell off, I know there are a lot of people, especially around my age, who feel that way. Like, they grew up playing Sonic Adventure 2 on GameCube, maybe Sonic Heroes a little bit, and then they're kind of like, they fell off, and Sonic's been lame ever since. I really, truly do believe that like, this is that Sonic game that is made for those people. It's made, This game is made... It, it simultaneously caters to three audiences and does so really gracefully, where it, it, it does a great job of being the game that that audience would want to play, you know, the people who grew up playing the Sonic Adventure games, while also being a great new foundation for what this franchise can and should be for younger players, because obviously Sonic is a, a, a kid's game, a, all ages all, kind of game. And I think this does a phenomenal job of introducing a new generation to the Sonic franchise. And it also does a great job of catering to people like me, the diehard Sonic fans, the people that for some fucking reason, find a way to be invested in the lore and the characters and the story and the comic books of the Sonic universe. This game does a really apt job. Everything from the like in-game lore um to like the collectibles to actual like moment to moment like major story beats they do so many callbacks to i'm talking about everything from like Sonic Adventure to like Sonic Forces to like you know everything from the beloved to the hated games and it's it's just so wonderful and and they and you can tell that they they finally got the guy they finally got Someone who cared about the Sonic story the way, you know, the fans had had wanted for the games for so long. Um, And and that's what we got with Ian Flynn, the writer of the comic series, being brought on board to do this game. You can just feel it. This game has all the characters are written uh, true to who they are. It's not like Sonic Forces where, like, Tails (laughs) fucking goes ballistic and loses it. And the writing is just cringe as hell and Sonic gets kidnapped and then they think he dies. It's not, like, super stupid or cringe or ridiculous like that or trying to be super edgy. It's just... It's it's exactly like what Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 were. It's, you know, at the end of the day it's a lighthearted romp, of, you know, for kids ages 10 about these anthropomorphic characters, you know, trying to stop the evil Dr. Robotnik because they're just unapologetically the good guys and they just want to do good and put good out into the world but it does have that surprising just like sonic adventure had with the uh with the e102 levels and just like sonic adventure 2 has with like the whole shadow the hedgehog story and maria and that whole backstory it has that like kind of like it secretly kind of comes up and stings you a little bit towards the end of the game where there is a relationship in this game and i won't spoil any of it um but there is a relationship in this game where it's like shit why the hell is this sonic the hedgehog game kind of getting a little a little deep a little a little emotional why am i you know at the end like tearing up a little bit about this one character in particular like this one st- er, moment earlier in the game where she's having this callback and she's seeing like this tender moment with sonic and it makes her emotional and then later in the game you know, that character has to make a sacrifice and do a thing and and they do a callback with the music. And you're like, why the fuck am I crying in a Sonic the Hedgehog game? But, for you know, for me, it's a great feeling because it reminds me of like when I was 12 years old playing Sonic Adventure, younger than that, when I was eight years old playing Sonic Adventure, being like, you know, this is kind of like a cool, deep story. As a kid, you felt that way playing Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 in this game. It captures that feeling so well, where you know it disguises itself as just like this cool 3D platformer game that's awesome for kids, and then the more you get invested to it, the more kind of stings you with a little bit of um, a little bit of some uh, some drama and some you know just a, a lot of investment in these characters and some tear-jerking moments, and I, I I fucking love that. You know, last week we talked a lot about the gameplay. Um, I, I stand by most of what I said last week, having beaten the game now. Uh, I am going to go back and try to get more of the achievements, so I definitely plan on pouring a lot more hours into this game, but I, I love this game, I think this is what the foundation of Sonic needs to be going forward, um, my big criticism with it is is the cyber stage levels, which is funny because those are the parts that are a callback to my favorite Sonic games of recent years, which is these more traditional linear 3D Sonic levels, um, I feel like that's actually the weakest part of the game, the best part of the game is when you're just running around these big empty spaces collecting shit it's like you know do this fun obstacle course to collect this item to do this little puzzle to collect that item the combat is surprisingly pretty good especially as you unlock more abilities and learn kind of how to fuck around with all of sonic's cool attacks the boss battles are epic as hell the music is so awesome and so varied everything from running through the fields you get this beautiful background melodic piano you know just like tasteful um, stuff going on or or you're in a boss battle and you got fucking sleeping with sirens screaming in your face with like this awesome like like metal, <laughs> fucking like metal music as you turn into Super Saiyan Sonic it looks like Dragon Ball Z fighting these Shadow of the Colossus looking bosses it's fucking crazy or you know, you get like, you're just doing like the fishing mini game just goofing off in the game and you got like this really awesome lo-fi track that's just super ideal for just like calming down to or reading a book to and it's just like you know, it's it's a Sonic game, so it should come as no surprise the soundtrack is undoubtedly the best part of the game, but I'll, I'll try I'll I'll stop myself now. Sonic Frontiers again. I I beat it, so now I'm not going to talk about it next week, but um yeah, I had I had to beat the game twice. I had to play the ending twice, once on normal, once on hard just so I could get the special extra little bit of ending there and just the yeah, the game is so special. It it does a lot of callbacks to my favorite Sonic game of all time, Sonic Unleashed, a lot of parallels with the new character in this game and chip who was the special character from Sonic Unleashed, a lot of, a lot of music parallels and just nods lots of fan service i think it's the perfect game for lap sonic fans for lifelong sonic fans and a great introduction to the series for uh newcomers and i just really hope people will give this game a try like like i said like i've been saying for the past couple weeks i really hope people are able to look past the memes and the jokes and the The bad years of the years of bad Sonic games, and you know, maybe when the game's on sale, I saw it was already on sale for like 30 bucks for a little bit earlier this week. You know, maybe pick it up when it's on sale or something like that. But this game, absolutely worth your time if you've ever been invested in character platformer games, or if you like momentum based, you know, traversal games like Tony Hawk or Sunset Overdrive or Spider Man. I, I really think this is a game a lot of people would be surprised to see how much they genuinely like. But that's it for Sonic Frontiers. We're done with that. Like I said, I beat the game, so we won't talk about it for a while now. Um, I went back into Halo Infinite and tried to play some Forge. I um, tried to wrap my brain around a little more how, about how this works. Last week I was a little salty about it because I didn't realize they weren't going to have like a browser for people to match make and play in Forge. I didn't realize that was coming later um, down the road. So I was a little salty about last week, but I tried to come back to this week. This past Sunday, we did a stream and I, just, I downloaded a bunch of different user-created modes and levels and maps and stuff and and just dicked around it. And I got to say, Halo Infinite's Forge is really quite impressive. It's, it's a shame that like you have to have like a strong group of friends dedicated to Halo in order to be able to really enjoy this content right now as, as it currently stands. But thankfully, that will change soon um, with a browser as, at some point. But for now uh, i'm just i'm i'm astonished by the kind of crazy cool shit people are creating and putting into this game and i just got to say i'm i'm really optimistic about where halo is headed uh, you know get, get get us a good season 3 in here uh, finalize some of these forge details get us a, a good a good battle pass some new multiplayer maps and things like that and i really think this game is starting to get into that position of like ah yes this is what this game should have been and you know you already feel it with like the way they changed it the match, match xp they rebalanced some of the guns that made them a lot better um just really enjoying this game a lot more now when i play it compared to just where we were a few weeks ago and i'll continue to look forward to this game evolving as it becomes as it starts to pick up the features i've been waiting for and forge was a huge one and i gotta be honest i'm enjoying i'm enjoying this as a stream game i think halo is probably going to be the uh, the channel stream game for the foreseeable future, probably for the rest of the for the year, um, with the exception of maybe a little bit of Modern Warfare 2. But if you ever want to partake in some of that, join us, play a match or two, or just sit by, watch, hang out, and chat, you can follow me along on twitch.tv slash lightningmixstream. Um, but yeah, Halo Infinite Forge. And now, without further ado, we will save the best for last, the new game I've been playing, the most exciting game, which is Evil West. Now, full disclosure, at the time I'm recording this, this game came out yesterday. I've only had one hour to play the game. I really would have loved to have sat with it all, all night last night, but I had some other um, commitments that that made that to where it wasn't the case. And then today, keep in mind, I live in Orlando. Um, so during major holidays like Thanksgiving, the entire fucking planet Earth comes to Orlando. So it took me two and a half hours to get home from work today. So uh, I just haven't had free time to play this game yet. But... With the holiday coming up tomorrow and the weekend following that, I am looking forward to sitting down and probably just blasting through this game because it does seem like probably a quick eight to ten hour title. Um, but yeah, Evil West. This game is fucking awesome. And and it, again, I'm only an hour we're in, so you know, I guess take it with a grain of salt. A lot can change, you know, by hour five, by hour, by hour eight, by hour ten. But just an hour with the game, and I immediately get the sense that this game is everything I hoped it would be. Basically, it is essentially a third-person linear level-based action melee shooting game but um with a lot of modern amenities and bells and whistles but it is at its core no doubt the the best of the best kinds of games we used to get during the xbox 360 years this is you know it, it just reminds me of when you could pick up a game like man i'll just think of like anything like um it reminds me of Gears of War. It reminds me of Bullet Storm. It reminds me of like the Activision uh, Wolfenstein game that was developed by Raven. It just reminds me of like a little bit of, like X Men Wolverine Origins, like those kinds of games. Um, there's definitely a lot of God of War influence in this game. If we're talking about modern games, there's definitely a lot of like Doom 2016 Doom Eternal influence in this game, no doubt. But so much of this game just reminds me of so many of those linear narrative, first-person or third-person action games, whether it was melee-focused or or, or um, shooting-focused combat. It just reminds me so much of those games. You pick up the game, you fucking learn some basic controls, and you beat the hell out of shit. And it's crazy. It's all just about pairing really fun combat, like melee combat, with really crazy gun combos. So it feels fast and frantic like Doom because you'll just be beating the shit out of someone and then, like, spinning around and shooting them in the face and getting stylized kills and... Gory final like moves and assists and and assassinations and things like that, but it is also a little bit like God of War, uh, where you know it feels like the you're using your gauntlet to kind of beat the shit out of people or, or vampires, and it feels a little bit like kind of that like heavy, steady axe combat. So there is a lot of bit of, a, a lot of bit of there is a lot of this kind of influence of some of these modern games, but at its core, it just feels like a tried and true classic, you know, unabashed, unashamed video game like an action game you know it's not trying to tell a deep and personal story it's not trying to sell you a season pass or a battle pass or have loot boxes or an in-game store or deep rpg mechanic system or nemesis system there's no souls like aspect to it. There's no open world. There's no way to get lost. There's no way, you know, it's just it's none of that. It's just like, hey, here's the fucking game. Do you want to play as this awesome badass alt Steam World Western cowboy motherfucker who fights like vampires and other vaguely daunting creature type enemies? And it's like, yeah, that sounds fun. It's like cool, here's a gun, here's a gauntlet, go beat the fuck out of them all and that's basically all this game is. There is story to it. I'm not far enough to really get into what all that entails, but it is this cool alternate US history where where the like vampires exist and uh you basically humans and vampires hunt each other and it, it's cool. Like there's a lot of like lore within the collectibles around the world uh, around the levels that you pick up and like you're reading things about how like Vampires fear humans, and how historically, like humans were the prey of the vampire. But with the advent of the industrial revolution and technology advancing rapidly, humans have become so capable in self-defense with guns and types of machinery and things like that. Trains, different transportation modes, just all all the technology that's come in the years since, and how it's equipped humans to be so capable of defending themselves against the vampires. That the vampires have become more like the like the prey than the hunters and it's just this really cool dynamic and it's, it's not too serious it's not trying to be anything crazy um, I see a lot of videos and like reviews and takes that kind of aesthetically and you know visually this game has some order 1886 kind of nods and, and callbacks to it and I do kind of see that for those who don't remember the order 1886 was a, a game for the it was a launch era PlayStation 4 game um, that never got a sequel, didn't do too well, I forget the name of the developer, but they went on to get bought out by Facebook to make VR games, Ready at Dawn, that's their name, and, um, yeah, that game got praised a lot for its presentation, its story, and its characters, but the gameplay was pretty thin and and, and thinly veiled, um, this game does have an aesthetic twist to it that does kind of remind me of that, so I do see the parallels there, but mostly I am seeing the, the, uh, (laughs) People say God of War, and, and I just mentioned God of War a little bit that, but to me, it's a lot of Doom, it's a lot of Bullet Storm, it's a lot of Gears of War. It, it reminds me just of the, just over the top M-rated, gory third-person action. I fucking love it. Um, you know, I, I blew through two levels of it yesterday, and I I never at any point had to question like, okay, oh, all right, that's the combat. Okay, but what else is there? Okay, like, where's my where's my skill tree system? Where's my where's my inventory? Actually, there is a skill tree, but. But you know, it's not like it's not like super deep RPG. Level up to seven, unlock two skill point. Kind of get in there, and oh, you only you got to make a decision between this item and this. It's it's pretty like it's it's more based around um, the skill tree helps you unlock new abilities that you need to learn either way, and not so much like do you want to add plus two defense to your to your shield or oh it might come at the defense or your ADS speed like Call of Duty or some shit like that. It's just it's just straightforward. A a unapologetic gameplay focused action game. And I love it for that. I just, I feel like we don't get stuff like this anymore. It's so refreshing to find a game that has a visual polish and looks like a nice modern game. But when you play it, it just feels like, and I want to be clear about this. It's not like, oh, it's like a 360 game. It feels old and archaic like a 360 game. I mean, this in a complimentary way. It's like, it plays like an Xbox, like the best of the Xbox 360 era games in the way that you remember them playing not like in the way they actually are cuz you can go back and play a lot of those games now and some of them are still pretty good and hold up well but you can see where they're rough around the edges and how we've advanced um, since those days i'm not saying this game feels like that i'm saying it feels kind of like how you remember games feeling back in 2008 when those games were new and things like that and it's uh, uh yeah i mean i just i, I don't I, I don't know how to say it <laughs> enough but it is so refreshing you know after coming off a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog game that had to be open world of all things, you know, and I, and I love that game obviously, but you know, it's just, it's crazy. It's, you can't get a game these days that isn't an RPG or isn't a soul's like, or isn't open world, or isn't trying to just be more dynamic or a live service or have this model and limited time events and make sure you play the game this weekend or else you will miss out on this skin and everyone will think you're a fucking loser because you don't have the hot commodity thing anymore. It's just, man, sit down, play this game over a weekend Kill some vampires and have a great time doing it. And then on Monday, go back to work and just be like, hey, that was a good game I played this weekend. I think I'm going to move on with my life and maybe play something else next weekend. And I I welcome the hell out of that. uh, Flying Wild Hog... There's Shadow Warrior games. You know, I've played I tried the first one on three different occasions and really respect the game, but it's never stuck with me. I never played the second or third, so I don't know if it'd be any different. But this is a developer I've always really wanted to love. And I feel like this is gonna be the game to finally get me to really be able to appreciate these developer this developer and, and what they're capable of. And I gotta also say Focus Entertainment, we gotta keep an eye on these guys because Focus Entertainment seems to be this uh this publisher that is gonna be putting out some of the the best games they they just keep they they keep quietly you know backing all these weird european games that just look so good (laughs) and uh, i'm i'm really excited about about the uh you know they they have all these different teams and i'm really excited about a lot of the games that we're going to be getting um in the in the coming months and years from these guys and for just a reference for those who need a little bit of a reminder these are the guys behind this is the publisher behind atlas fallen which is being developed by deck 13 um that's that game that was announced during gamescom uh, we didn't see too too much of it but it looks super fucking awesome like all sand terrain crazy kind of um stylish like bayonetta type combat um these guys are also publishing atomic heart by munfish that comes out in a couple months that russian developed super awesome Bioshock slash Wolfenstein-looking game. These guys uh, actually published uh, the Plague Tale games. Um, they did Insurgency Sandstorm, which just came to Game Pass, uh, which is a pretty well-regarded military shooter, kind of in the vein of, like, Battlefield. Um, so these they did World War Z, that really good Left 4 Dead, third-person-esque type game. Uh, so th- these, guys, these guys keep putting their names behind a bunch of these really good, like double a games, um, particularly coming from a lot of these European and their European developer or publisher. Uh, and they, and they work with slash own a lot of European teams and, and they just continue to put out what I believe to be some of the, you know, what I perceive as some of the most interesting stuff coming out of the games industry, you know, um, I look at all the other players in the space, all the big publishers and, you know, everyone's got a little something that I'm looking forward to, but, I don't know, it's like Ubisoft is like, hey, here's another fucking checkbox open world game. I'm like, eh, okay. And Activision's like, yeah, here's just Call of Duty. I'm like, yeah, I love Call of Duty and I'll play that. But yeah, that's it really for you guys. And then EA is like, we might be making a Dragon Age game. Just stay tuned for the next five decades, maybe. Also Mass Effect. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And then everyone else is like, Marvel, Star Wars, Marvel, Star Wars. I'm like, whatever, dude. But something about focus entertainment, I just, they get me really excited. They're not... They haven't yet been bought by Tencent or, um, or Embracer or Microsoft yet. So they're still, you know, they're kind of doing their own Ubisoft style kind of publisher deal. I guess I say Ubisoft just because focus entertainment is also French. Maybe that's where my mind is going, but I, I, I'm really into this publisher and a lot of the teams they own slash work with like deck 13, um, and, and just kind of where they're headed with, uh. With the with the kind of games they're they're seeking out in funding, it's just we're getting a lot of that double A shit that I've really missed for quite a while. And I'm I don't know, games like Evil West give me a lot of optimism that there is a market, you know, in our modern world of modern gaming, you know, that we can maybe have these kinds of games that they can live and breathe alongside the um, the many broken, desperately needing to be patched live service games that we're getting left and right. So. Evil West, I'm really looking forward to getting into this this weekend, having some more fleshed-out thoughts next week. Um, but, yeah, it's re- so far, really strong first impression. I wouldn't sleep on this, but I will say, I, I actually will say, um, if you're a little hesitant about maybe jumping into this game, this is one of those games that I would say has like a 68.2% chance of ending up in Game Pass in the next six months. So uh, maybe hold off for a while because, you know, you wait six months, only one or two things are going to happen either the game ends up in game pass or you could just get it on sale for like 30 bucks so maybe wait it out if you're a little hesitant about it but so far i'm enjoying it i'm happy to put my money where uh, my mouth is and support some more like double a type games uh, because this is the kind of stuff i miss and i'd like to see come back uh but yeah evil evil west i definitely definitely so far pretty promising title so that's it for what i've been playing this week you guys next let's jump into the proper news uh and like i said we will try to we will try to be respectful of of your time and your patience with all this activision news we have coming up in just a minute here all right let's jump into the news you guys starting off like i said with all the activision blizzard microsoft sony update regarding the acquisition but we will try to uh kind of assume that you uh, know the story so far and uh, go past that stuff and just just kind of sit through what's new here to talk about all right from vgc the federal trade commission is likely to file an antitrust suit to block Microsoft's takeover of Activision Blizzard, according to a new report. According to three sources cited by Politico, FTC Chair Lena Khan is looking to rein in the power of the world's largest tech companies. "Quote unquote," the report goes on to state that while the lawsuit challenge isn't deal isn't certain, several within the FTC are skeptical about companies' arguments. The FTC and Microsoft did not immediately respond to the request for comment. Were the FTC to proceed with this, it would be a major blow to Microsoft, which is currently fighting across the pond against concerns raised by UK regulators, the CMA. The antitrust lawsuit would mean that Microsoft would also have to fight to push forward the acquisition of the Call of Duty maker in the U.S. courts. The FTC was expected to roll Microsoft's proposed acquisition in late November. The European Commission have officially launched an in-depth probe of Microsoft's proposed acquisition of the big publisher and has expected following the inquiries of the $68.7 billion deal. The European watchdog said earlier this month that it had opened phase two of their investigation due to con- competition concerns. The deal has been approved by regulators in Saudi Arabia and Brazil already, but the UK's Competition Market Authority has also recently expanded its investigation to a second phase, in which in the process it is inviting members of the public to share their views on the acquisition before giving a final decision by March 1st, 2023. So this is actually quite a big update because it was largely assumed at this point that this deal was a go. It was locked in with uh, U.S. regulatory boards, and that there was nothing really to worry about outside Europe and, and, and as well as UK. If you're one of the people that considers the UK not a part of Europe, which is so cute. Anyway, just lost another British listener. Uh, all joking aside, the, yeah, this is actually this actually kind of spills trouble a little bit for Microsoft, and I think all the the huffing and puffing that Sony's doing is actually starting to work in their favor and more and more each day i do become a believer of this argument that sony knows that they're not necessarily going to stop the deal they just think that if they cause enough of a scene, they can delay things and constantly make this a mucky situation until either one, Microsoft gets tired and wants to drop it, or two, and more likely one, it just delays the acquisition so much that Sony's going to get a ton of concessions out of this, as well as um, it's it's just going to give Microsoft hell for doing this and make them unlikely to want to do any more acquisitions of this nature. And so I I do kind of believe that argument more and more, the, the more we continue to see stories like this, because... This is another whole battle for Microsoft to fight, especially on their own home turf uh, where, you know, it seemed like they were kind of all set to go over here. And now they're under further scrutiny in the U.S., which is, of course, the biggest market they had to contend with, you know, from the get with the with a deal of this nature. So, man, this is going to be this is going to be a harder fo- battle than any of us thought. Um, the, the, I think the biggest news, the biggest blow to for all of us here is that this can potentially delay the deal even longer, meaning that. It'll be like twenty twenty seven, and we'll still be talking about the proposed acquisition of Microsoft of uh, Activision Blizzard King to Microsoft. And God, none of us want that to be the case. So my, my my plea to you, Sony, is just shut the fuck up so we can get this over with. But I think a lot of this is enough enough of a, of an issue has been made about this that that now they're starting to we're starting to see other regulatory bodies jump in and be like, maybe we need to take this a little more serious. Maybe we need to get this a second look or have further consideration or more thorough consideration of this deal before just kind of nilly willy signing off on it. I mean, after all the CMA wouldn't be going so balls deep in this for nothing, would they? And I think that's kind of the, the, the idea that's being sprung into the heads of, members of the FTC, I don't know, but it, dude, if this, if this just calls for further delays on this deal, I'm gonna fucking scream, That's all I gotta say about that. Now, following up with that, we have the big story, this was initially three separate stories from one filing report from Sony that I tried to condense down as much as I can into one mega story, so this is one story with really three core parts, and I'm gonna... Probably take breaks in between parts just to kind of discuss things, but once we get through this big three-parter, I think we'll be done with the Activision Blizzard news for the week. So please bear with me. Phil, you want to come out of the bathroom for this one? No, I don't think Phil's done yet. He seems to. Oh, he's. I'm sorry, guys. I pro I promise. I tried my best. I-, I-, I hopefully he'll make it by the end of the show. Um, I just. I just. I mean, I keep hearing flushing every couple of minutes, so I assume he's doing something in there, but I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Continuing on VGC reports, Microsoft and Sony do not expect to launch their next-gen consoles in 2028 at the earliest, as newly published document suggests. Now, what does that have to do with the Activision Blizzard acquisition for Microsoft? Well, hang on, we'll find out. Both companies discussed potential for launch timing of new console hardware in statements published on Wednesday as part of a UK regulatory competition and market authority ongoing investigation into Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Okay, that's what this is data driven from, or this is info pulling from a, uh, a published statement as part of this ongoing back and forth. In its response to CMA's concerns, Microsoft said next gen hardware or consoles are many years away and claimed that the impact of the Activision deal was highly speculative. The parties, quote, Microsoft and Activision, do not dispute that some portion of gamers are likely to reassess the console ownership and start a new generation, um, but they also know that. This is an event that only occurs approximately every eight years or so. Indeed, the next new generation of consoles are not expected to be released before the fall of 2028, the very earliest. So let me stop right there. So this is basically, you'll remember a couple weeks ago, they talked about how Sony brought up, they're like... Well, yeah, they, if, they, if Microsoft owns Call of Duty, it could make a lot of people switch from PlayStation over to Xbox whenever the next consoles come out, because every new cycle, every new console generation is that kind of insecure time period where people could flip-flop to any brand, depending on which console is looking more attractive. And so that's that was their concern. So as part of a response to that, uh, Microsoft, or Sony and Microsoft are talking about here how they don't expect to be releasing new hardware until at least the fall of 2028, which would be a full eight years uh, after launch of the PS5 and Xbox Series X, um, and that's at the very earliest. So we're looking at upwards of a decade, you know, closer to a du- the better part of a decade before we get our next-gen hardware. Now, eight years is pretty standard for a console lifespan, but let's continue on for a second. So, of course, all this goes into PlayStation's overarching theme, which is they're going to take Call of Duty from us. We don't want to lose it, blah, 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 blah. So hypothetically though, if it were if, if the article continues on, hypothetically if Microsoft were to take Call of Duty from PlayStation after 2027, Microsoft argues that Sony has more than ample time to adapt their commercial strategy to whatever market you know, whatever the market, you know, situation is. In a part in a partially redacted statement, Sony also references Microsoft's offer to keep the Call of Duty publisher or Call of Duty available on PlayStation until twenty twenty seven and how it could impact the fortunes of their next console. So they're basically just going back and forth about the next consoles. But in there, we get the little tidbit that none of these these manufacturers are planning on putting out new hardware until at least 2028. Now, I do want to add the disclaimer that I think that excludes, of course, any kind of like mid-generation bump. So, you know, the Xbox One X, the PS4 Pro, I'm talking about stuff like that. So will we get like an Xbox Series S version S? Probably, you know, or sorry, Xbox Series X. version x or something like that you know or like a ps5 pro or something like that i think those are still very likely i think we'd probably see that around 2024 to be quite honest we got about yeah a little maybe about two years before we'd see those but they're talking about the quote unquote next generation although xbox is in a generation to end generations kind of phase we will still see them probably do um hardware in a more like iterative and then uh revolutionary kind of step kind of how iphone used to do like iPhone 4S, iPhone 5, iPhone 5S, iPhone 6. So that that kind of um, train of thought is what I think we're looking at here. But there, there, again, it's just like it's like such a big drop. You know, where we see these guys talking about how yeah, we plan on releasing new hardware, but probably not till at least 2028. It's like okay, that's news, but then it's all surrounded in like, and that's why it's important we keep Call of Duty because people are gonna switch to Xbox and come 2028. It's like, ah, okay, so we don't need to get into that part of it. So. We're getting these publishers, or these big, sorry, publishers. We're getting these big to uh, these two big giants talking about potentially when the next h- round of hardware comes out, and now again some kind of uh, in, inside look into the to to the idea that Sony and Microsoft seem to be planning on sticking to the typical you know eight, eight-ish year life cycle of a console. You look at the Xbox. Uh, One, which was a seven-year generation, but you look at the Xbox 360, and that one was a eight-year generation, so it kind of, you know, they kind of fluctuate, but usually around that year, that's pretty typical for a console generation in general. Well, the story continues on. We go beyond new console hardware because Sony, in in this 22-page response that that the CMA required from Microsoft and Sony, uh, Sony goes on and on about the real reason that Sony thinks that Microsoft wants to buy Activision and what they think that will do to PlayStation and their position in the market. So additionally, found in the 22-page response, Sony said that if the deal were to go through, users would leave PlayStation's ecosystem. Potentially, Microsoft could raise Xbox's prices and independent developers would be harmed in the fallout. As has been a trend with regulatory back and forth, much of the document focuses on Call of Duty and the perceived harm Sony claims the Activision-Blizzard deal would cause. Should the flagship franchise be made Xbox-exclusive, which is not happening. Uh, in in one section of the statement, the platform holder singles out comments made by Microsoft that the platforms would or should propose uh, should propose without Call of Duty, including Nintendo Switch. In the latest response, Sony claims that that they ignore the facts that Nintendo's strategy is different from PlayStation and Xboxes and doesn't rely on 18 rated shooting franchises games which argue Microsoft will have virtually exclusive ownership of should the deal go through, because in that case they'll have things like Blizzard, Doom, Halo, Call of Duty, they'll have the full stack. Uh, PlayStation has fallen on deaf ears, because you guys refuse to make first-person shooters, so that's your problem. In the sense, it alleges that Microsoft's true strategy with the with the deal, in fact, is to position PlayStation to be more like Nintendo, in which it's not able to compete with Microsoft in the same space, in which they're essentially unrelated competitors where Micro, where they say, quote, Microsoft claims Nintendo's differentiating model demonstrates that PlayStation doesn't need Call of Duty to compete. However, what this really reveals is that Microsoft wants PlayStation to become like Nintendo so they become less closely effective uh, as a competitor. Meaning, you know, Nintendo doesn't have like Call of Duty and shit. Nintendo does well because people buy like 30 million copies of fucking Animal Crossing a day and people want to buy a Mario Kart 8 until they're blue in the goddamn face even though the game will be 10 years old in like a year and a half or two years or something. Yeah, like a year and a half, that game will be 10 years old, and it's still charting on NPDs all the fucking time. But that's Nintendo's kind of MO. What what PlayStation's claiming here is, hey, well, PlayStation and Microsoft actually play a much closer game where, you know, we all, you know, PlayStation and Xbox both benefit from Assassin's Creed, Fallout, Far Cry, uh, Call of Duty, uh, Need for Speed, you know, all these multi-platform games that basically get released same day and date same version same game same everything between the Xbox and, uh, and PS version and the real differentiating factor between these platforms traditionally is the exclusive content so that's what they're saying here is that by trying to remove games like Bethesda games by removing things like Call of Duty they would just be repositioning Sony to be kind of a more unrelated competitor to Xbox because Sony would be mostly just left with first party and some Japanese support from companies like Square Enix. However, what it fails to mention here is the part where Microsoft says, we'll give you 10 goddamn years of Call of Duty and we won't we don't plan on any time in the near future taking this away from you, so calm the fuck down. We're not taking Call of Duty away from you. So the whole thing is a moot point when you consider that fact. But it is important to note that this is just another argument, another cry for help that Sony is throwing at the wall, and it's sticking. It's getting the CMA to continue to investigate further and further. And now over here in the U.S., we see the FTC starting to look, and it's just not. It's just drawing a lot of negative attention. Meanwhile, Sony hypocritically over here is. Is touting the uh, fastest sell- best selling uh, console exclusive for PlayStation ever with God of War Ragnarok, uh, as if they don't have plenty of franchises that just do fuck you money as well. Um, also, the fact that they're accusing Microsoft of having like all all the big first person shooters themselves when it's like Sony. Y- y- what do you fucking mean, Sony, that Microsoft is going to have all the big first-person shooters? You had Resistance. It was a pretty goddamn good shooting franchise, and you abandoned it, and you refused to go back to it. That's your fault, Sony. And, Sony, you had, um, what is it, Killzone, which, eh, Killzone's not that great, but you have Killzone, and you refuse to go back to it. Sony, you have SOCOM. You refuse to make a new SOCOM game. Don't play Microsoft for this. Don't fucking blame Microsoft for this. It's your decision that you refuse to make anything other than third-person narrative action games about jaded fathers with dead children or something like that and their journeys with little kids across barren wastelands. Like, that's your MO. You want to make that game? You make that game. Xbox's is they like to make games where tough men like to shoot blood and gore out of aliens and shit. It's okay. There's a little bit of redundancies with, with Xbox's catalog being a lot of, like, bro fish shooter stuff. It's fine. It is what it is. It's fun. There's a lot of redundancy with PlayStation being like, here's a guy in a gruff, grim world, and he's got to be a third-person action game. There's a, probably a kid somewhere around. That's Sony's MO. That's what they do. Don't be complaining about that, because you've decided over the past 10-plus years to invest all your time and energy into remaking The Last of Us 45 times. So that that, that one kind of gets me a little bit, because it's, like, it's such a petty complaint. It's like, Sony, you... And also, Sony, you now own Bungie. You have so much insider access to how some of the greatest first-person shooters are made. You have so much potential, so much staff across your teams that are more than capable of making phenomenal first-person shooters. You have a new team that was founded by X ex, by X Treyarch developers, uh, which you know we can assume those guys are no doubt making a first-person shooter. So Sony, again, this is more that falling on deaf ears, crying crocodile tears to try and draw attention, to delay the deal, to frustrate Microsoft, to slow things down, to gain concessions. But we all know damn well that we're just a few years away from from Sony actually starting to put out a lot of shooter games, a lot of multiplayer games, a lot of kind of games as a service type games, but y- you can't fault Microsoft because historically they've been more focused on those kinds of games, it's just what they've done, and it's been your choice. It's been your fucking choice to re-release, you know, fucking, <laughs> the rumor right now is that they're gonna re-release Horizon Zero Dawn, a game that's a couple of years old. Like, I'm sorry, maybe you could put a team at Guerrilla to work on maybe making a Killzone game instead of remaking a game from four and a half years ago. But whatever, that's, that's, that's your MO. Anyway, uh, and then the last part of this filing from this uh, three-parter with Sony, the newish news. Lastly, Sony claims that if Microsoft were to gain sole control of Activision's content, independent developers would also be harmed as Microsoft could increase prices for games and hardware, as well as subscription services. Sony is confident that the CMA's Phase 2 inquiry will confirm that the transaction is likely substantially less, lessening the competition, It should be prohibited. Now, this one I do agree with to some extent because I do think any mass consolidation does make it harder for smaller, newer people to get involved. So there is some truth to this. I will give Sony that. Uh, But continuing on, Sony... Uh, goes on to argue that Call of Duty is an irreplaceable game, and that Microsoft's ownership of it would have an imbalance of power so heavily that it would favor ultimately Xbox and PlayStation might be unable to ever compete. Saying that Microsoft would control your uh, yeah anyway. So I, I I do understand that, but at the same time, um, Fortnite, you know, like Epic made Fortnite, and I'm not just that's not to say Epic is nobody. I mean, they have Unreal Engine. That's that's one of the biggest money makers in the history of gaming. But you know. Epic weren't positioned to be, you know, the developer to make a big up-and-coming game, like, something that would be, like, industry-changing. And those motherfuckers made Fortnite. And Fortnite made so much money, it was such a big deal, that you know what Activision had to do? They had to respond by making Call of Duty have a Fortnite mode. So, is Fortnite not, like, the ultimate example of how there's absolutely room in this space for someone with great ideas and right execution and right timing to maybe make something that can give Call of Duty Run for its money? This this uh WMZ mode or whatever that just launched in Modern Warfare 2, isn't that kind of like a direct response to games like Escape from Tarkov? Didn't Ubisoft experience a massive success with like their Rainbow Six Siege games and, and all that? And I don't know. It's it seems like to me that there's plenty of space in these in these in the in the shooting in the very shooting genres, whether it be the traditional six v six multiplayer or free to play battle royales or tactical games or whatever the case may be, it seems like there's plenty of space for people to excel and make massively popular games. And that maybe the reason Sony doesn't know what they're talking about is because they haven't even tried to make a first person shooter since 2013. So I don't know. I just find that to be kind of a little bit of a stupid comment although i do agree that in general uh consolidation of the market does make it harder for new players to get in i'm not really sympathetic to sony on that but i am sympathetic to some smaller indie teams perhaps or up and coming small publishers Uh, sony not so much but honestly at the end of the day i again it's more kicking and screaming trying to get attention to delay this deal While in the corner, Sony's making record-breaking profits off their latest first-party release, and Xbox has literally nothing going on for the year (laughs) in terms of first-party content. Um, Okay, so let's leave all that there again. I want to kind of go through that rather quickly and not dwell on it too much, because I know we're all tired of talking about it, but those are our big updates as as pertains to the Activision-Microsoft deal. Really, at this point, it's mostly just Sony going on and on and on, talking to a fucking brick wall about this stuff, but... It's definitely getting attention. They're definitely, I think, getting what they want out of it. And and, and their plan is surprisingly doing quite well. I, I, for as much as it does make PlayStation look bitchy and, and whiny right now, you know, for us as consumers and gamers, the important thing is their strategy is kind of working in their favor. I think they're getting exactly what it is they want out of it right now. So I guess good for them. Uh, But next up, let's move on to um, some sad news, but thankfully news that doesn't really have to do with uh, Activision, Blizzard, Sony, whatever. VGC reports that Volition, who will, will soon become part of Gearbox following a disappointing reception of the latest release of Saints Row, the reboot. Embracer Group has announced. In a statement released alongside second quarter earnings call, uh, Embracer CEO Lars Wingford uh, explained that Volition will be switching operative groups from PlayOn, On, uh, formerly known as Coke Media, to Gearbox Entertainment, the guys that make Borderlands. Quote, the reception of Saints Row did not meet their full expectations and left the fan base partially polarized. The game development studio Volition has been working hard to improve the player experience, and while the game is disappointingly uh, disappointed critically, Wingford said that financially, Saints Row has performed in line with management expectations for the quarter as far as sales are concerned. Going forward, quote, Volition will transition to become part of Gearbox, which has all the tools including uh, an experienced management team in the U.S. to create future success at Volition. This will be the first internal group transfer where the uh, transfer of a major studio between operative groups, but is not necessarily the last. The decision coincides with the release of the first major update for Saints Row, which went live last week containing 200 improvements with a, particular focus on stability and co-op issues according to volition the major update is just the start of ongoing support for the title and we and lars wingford previously said that he's personally disappointed with the reception of saints row but as spoke uh during the embracers agm in september that's what he said at the time personally quote i hope for the greatest reception of the game Uh, It's been very polarizing. However, there are a lot of things that could have been said and could be said in detail around it. But I'm with one hand. I'm on the one hand happy to see there's a lot of gamers and fans out there happy with the game. At the same time, I'm a bit sad to see that not all the fans are happy. So it's difficult. I think we need to wait for the quarterly report in November to have more details. We're still fairly early in the release window and still collecting data. That's what he said at the time. Finishing off on a financial note, he says, "I know I'm confident we'll make more money on the investment." Would it have been as great to return on investment as we have seen in many other games? No, not very likely, but we will make money and that's a very good starting point at least. Yeah, so I I, I don't like I don't like the way this guy talks about his games. Embracer continues to become more and more polarizing for me, where it's just like these guys don't care. They have no grip on what they're doing. They own way too many devs. They have way too many games on the way. There's no way they can properly keep up with all this to make sure everything is hitting development targets and that they're releasing quality games one after another. Rather, it seems like they're just releasing shit and hoping it all goes well. And in this case, it, you know, that wasn't what happened. And it's 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 so odd because Volition kind of shot themselves in the foot with this game. It's like all they really needed to do is make a modern version of like the Saints Row games that everyone loved, like Saints Row 3, But they decided to get kind of weird with it and try to be all, like, sensitive and considerate about a lot of the kind of humor that the the series is known for. And they just obviously released an incomplete buggy mess. And with all that added up, it just really frustrated the hell out of gamers. So it's kind of crazy to think about it, but it's like Volition kind of of screwed themselves over with this. And Embracer clearly doesn't really properly manage these teams because they have a very, like... I don't know, as long as it hits a good enough critical reception and sells enough copies, we're good. Would I like it to do better? Yes, but you know, whatever, we'll just we'll just fold the team right now. And so that's the crux, like the the center of what's going on here. I am now a lot of people are reading this in different ways. I am not reading this as Volition has now been folded into Gearbox and will work as a support team for Gearbox. It is possible that that's what we're seeing here, but I don't read this as that. what I read this as is Volition will continue to be an independent, you know, creator of whatever games they're gonna work on, but we're moving them under Gearbox Entertainment instead of Coke Media. Because they're now gonna get the leadership and the in the helping hand from Gearbox. You know, they might do support work on Gearbox titles. Who knows, probably. But they're still gonna be their own team. It's just that we think that this is the place to put them so they can have like the kind of shepherding needed to make sure their next game is more of a critical success, doesn't have as many issues because Gearboxes in this case being seen as the uh, the the kind of force that can lead a team like this into a more positive second attempt, I guess whether that be a Saints Row two or some new project entirely. And personally, my guess is that it would be a new project entirely. and That at this point they had to leave Saints Row to rest at least for a pretty long time because the uh, the brand's damaged pretty hard harshly at this point. And um, so I, I'm not reading this as dour as a lot of people were because I really don't think this means volition is no longer in control of their own, you know, their own products and their own destiny, so to speak, with what game they want to make next. But I do assume they will be adding some form of support to Gearbox and uh, and they have been taken down a peg for sure because when given, you know, total freedom, it looks like they kind of fucked up with Saints Row. And this is a little different because this isn't one of those, like, it's a good game, it just underperformed because the timing was wrong or something. This is one of those, like, yeah, people were mad at this game because they made a lot of dumb choices with the development and they had total creative freedom. The publisher wasn't pushing them to do any of these changes. This is just uh, them deciding to like self-censor their game and take out and kill and kind of neuter a lot of the fun and the wacky zaniness of the Saints Row series. And on top of that, the game was a, a buggy mess. So uh, we'll have to continue to wait and see how this goes for Volition. But my my assumption is that they are still in a are going to be in a position where they'll they'll be able to make games for themselves as well so i don't know i mean maybe they do just get put on Borderlands support i hope that's not the case but i don't know man lots of lots of interesting management decisions being made over here at coke media or at embracer group particularly in the fact that they have so many fucking studios uh what is it they have like 200 teams or something like that it's, how how does anyone manage but uh, okay. Next up, let's uh, let's actually turn our attention back to the UK uh, Com- Competition and Market Authority, the CMA. But we're not talking about Activision Blizzard and Microsoft. We're actually talking about Google and Apple and Microsoft. So this is actually a really interesting story, and I'm kind of glad to see this is coming to light or that something is being done here. Uh, But as Windows Central reports, the CMA launched a market investigation that will look at how Apple and Google dominate the mobile space. Specifically, they're investigating how the two tech giants exercise a stranglehold over operating systems, app stores, and web browsers on mobile devices. The investigation will also be focused on how Apple restricts cloud gaming through its app store, which is a callback to Xbox Game Pass, or um, cloud gaming. Continuing on, the launch of the investigation follows concerns that the CMA is illustrating that the duopoly of Google and Apple have created over the mobile space. Uh, While the results of the investigation will will, uh, likely impact Microsoft's mobile efforts on Android, the more significant impact could relate to xCloud Gaming on iOS. At the moment, it is only possible to use Xbox Cloud Gaming on iOS through a web browser. It limits visibility, makes it hard for Microsoft to push the service on iOS, and affects how gaming revenue can be earned. Additionally, since the browser on iOS have to be using Safari Render Engine, Apple's uh, H- Apple has a major effect on cloud gaming through its browsers. Quote, ultimately, the restrictions limit choice and make make it more difficult to bring innovative new apps to the hands of UK consumers, said the CMA of both Apple and Google. At the same time, Apple and Google have argued that the restrictions are needed to protect users, and the CMA's market investigation will continue these concerns and consider whether the new rules are needed to drive better outcomes. When Xbox Cloud Gaming uh, exited its testing period on iOS, Microsoft shared a statement on how Apple handles cloud gaming. Now, this is back from... Uh, a year ago where microsoft said quote our testing period for project x cloud preview on ios has expired unfortunately we do not have a path forward with our version our vision for the app on uh, ios via the apple app store apple stands alone as a general purpose platform that denies consumers from cloud gaming options and game subscription services like game pass and is consistently treating gaming apps differently applying more lenient rules to non-gaming apps even when they can interact uh, even when they include interactive content the situation has not been changed much since then uh xbox cloud gaming is still only accessible through web browser on I- uh, ios devices which is ipad iphone now i'm glad to see the cma doing something about this see, this is something where i'm like okay don't don't just you know let's scrutinize this this is something that we need to talk about because uh this is a real problem that's been going on for a long time with google and apple particularly apple apple is incredibly notorious for this although it looks like Google has a history of it as well, which is this idea of, like, we're going to control who can be on our app store and who can't. And I, I understand to an extent, you know, you're regulating your own platform. But they definitely, definitely, definitely use this to their competitive advantage. And this is one of those examples where why can't xCloud have an app on the Apple App Store? Because uh, Apple doesn't want to compete with Apple Arcade and their mobile or their gaming initiatives. That's really all there is to it, it's it's really plain and simple, uh, and, and honestly, speculating otherwise would just be dishonest, and distract from the real problem here, the thing is, Apple and Google make so much of their money off these app stores, because the platform is, well, they've monopolized the mobile phone market, that's part of why my Windows phone could have never gotten in, you know, and, and Apple's always been the worst about this, with their policies and practices, but you think about it, it's like, you know, Apple makes money on selling iPhones, you know, but for, for, Google, they make money on licensing Android software to OEMs that then make phones, and then these two companies make like their buku bucks off of rips from app purchases. You know, every time you purchase an app in the Google Play Store or iOS Store, Apple and Google get a cut from from the sale, and so they want to make sure that they can kind of monopolize this market, so there's no way for people to be shopping on the other stores. Now, Google has allowed other oems to make stores for android alternative uh, alternative options to the google play store however this is something that they're not fans of and they do make it quite challenging and quite hard to do this in fact the only oem that's able to really have a app store built into their phones from the get really is samsung and that's obviously a deal that gets to be uh, made in ink just because samsung is like the best seller of mobile devices in the in, like globally so you don't want to fuck with samsung you want to Cater to them because they're they're so much of the reason why Android why Google has been successful with Android as an operating system. So they are the exception to the rule. But we know Xbox is Microsoft is looking into building a cloud app, some kind of mobile app store rather um, going forward for Game Pass for cloud gaming for King games for Xbox games all the rest. And we've already run into this where it's like, okay, I can see them being able to work that out with Google somehow eventually getting that to happen, especially because Microsoft and Google have a growing relationship when it comes to the mobile division. But how does this work with Apple? Because Apple would never allow this, just straight up, Apple's never going to allow this. So I do continue to wonder how Microsoft ever saw a path forward with that being the case. Well, thankfully a deal, you know, uh, uh, some kind of regulation step in intervention could really be the thing to disrupt that. And, and I think you got to hold these guys accountable. You got to bust Apple open a little bit because Apple, dude, I, I I love Apple so much. Like Apple makes such great products, but they are such an infuriating brand. They do so much of this shit. You know, they, they're so notorious. The stories have been around forever of, you know, like small startup makes an app. Really cool idea. Apple kills the app, deletes it from the app store, doesn't allow it to exist. And then a few months later, they show up with a new app that is uh, remarkably similar to that app that they banned from their store. It's 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 the iMessage thing, right? It's like the how like any any Android user constantly gets shit for being a green bubble. But the only reason you're a green bubble is because Apple blocks the technology that's built into uh, messaging apps and and services that would allow Android phones and iPhones to be able to communicate with each other over an iMessage like system. But Apple intentionally blocks that ability so that they can continue to be a division between iPhone and Android users. So iPhone users can continue to feel like they're part of an exclusive club, and like Android are these disgusting green bubbles that hold them down. That kind of mentality, that kind of process, carries throughout Apple and so much of what they do. And it's 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 no surprise to me that they that they wouldn't let XCloud on the App Store because they don't want it to compete with Apple Arcade. And it's no surprise to me that they would never let an OEM or anyone put, you know, I mean, I guess they don't have OEMs because they control the hardware stack, but that they would never let someone else build an app store for, um ios devices because they, they have nothing to gain from that they want to be able to control and sure they'll say it's for safety and to make sure there's a quality of apps and that their consumers are being given the best experience possible and to some extent i'm sure that is true because that's a huge part of apple's model is that kind of unparalleled experience guest experience but at the same time we know the bigger and more real reason for this is just because apple doesn't want the competition and so now we live in a world where no one else can make a successful phone platform it's android or ios or fucking nothing You know, there is no Windows phone. There's no BlackBerry. There's no any of that. It's just like Google and Apple, you know, iOS and Android. And uh, so now we're looking at these regulatory boards to be like, you got to find a way to kind of crack these markets open a little bit so other people can get in there with their own ecosystems, their own web stores, their own app stores, their own apps, regardless of, you know, whether they are (laughs) gaming apps or or TV apps. Because remember, the big story with this last year was, you know, A- Apple isn't restricting um, Netflix because they can't... You, the, I think the excuse they used was um, they didn't want to approve an xCloud app because they can't approve all the games for their ratings and all that stuff. Meanwhile, you got Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max in the App Store, and it's not like you're going through and regulating all the content They're rating every TV show and movie on the catalog because you're not. And they use that stuff as an excuse because ultimately they want to be completely free of any competition. It's their marketplace, so legally, unless someone steps in from a regulatory standpoint and makes them do otherwise, there's nothing anyone can do about it. So we'll continue to see how that one unfolds as well. Man, I really hope we do get some kind of Xbox app store on iOS and Android. Um, in the future, I really think that would be quite awesome. All right. This one's a quick one. I don't really know that it makes the store like proper news segment. But nonetheless, let's go through it real quick. Crystal Dynamics claims that the co-development on Xbox's Perfect Dark reboot is progressing extremely well. That's according to the CEO of Crystal Dynamics, Phil Rogers, who provided uh, an update on the project during a parent company, Embracer Group, earning call on Thursday when it was announced in September 21 that Xbox had signed Crystal Dynamics to co-develop per- Perfect Dark not support work co develop the debut game for microsoft's new in-house team the initiative with the quote we're working on the iconic perfect dark game the project is going extremely well roger said uh, during the call as transcribed by vgc continuing on what's been promising internally is seeing how our team took the opportunity uh, a new way of working and if we think about the future of how we work collaborate across studios across time zones across geographies across different companies Will all become more common. It's so great to see that the team at the initiative and our team at Crystal Dynamics are working so well together. His comments echo those of studio Xbox Game Studio Matt Booty, who said in September that the days of single studios, single team studios on large scale games are long gone. Now, remember when we talked about that back in September, we talked about the whole This is kind of the future of gaming is like, hey, here's our team. Um, They need help with this. What team can pitch in for this aspect of development and kind of be able to use people in a more situational kind of adaptable way because it's more cost effective for game development. It gives more projects to teams when they're in lulls between projects and kind of guarantees more job security overall. It's kind of an effective and efficient way to develop games, is what Matt Booty was saying. And I'm not opposed to that. I really do like that mode of thinking, especially for the potential job security it can offer to people working in the games industry. But at the same time, I still, I'm still i still weary of this idea that we went from the initiative is making Perfect Dark to Crystal Dynamics is support doing support work on it to Crystal Dynamics is co-developing uh, Perfect Dark And also, we know the initiative lost so much of their core talent about a year ago. So, it's like, at what point, is it like, yeah, this is probably just mostly a Crystal Dynamics developed game with some leadership and and visionary support from this initiative, whatever the fuck this team even is at this point. Um, It doesn't seem like they're really making their full first game by themselves anyway. So, I I don't know. Am I against this in any way? Inherently, no. Uh, But in, in this case, I just... I was so excited about the initiative. I think so many of us were. We wanted to see what they were capable of and what what it was they were going to be, what that culture and identity they would build would be. And I feel like this just neuters any chance of that so much that it's just kind of inherently disappointing, although I do appreciate a more effective and efficient and economical way of using resources so that we can further guarantee – timely game development cycles better compensation and work guarantee for studios uh better job security i I love all of that aspect so i think that's great i just um man i this perfect dark game now to me it just feels feels like we're just probably gonna get like some fucking tomb raider perfect dark game and i just i really would have loved to see what this initiative team was all about if they were a ground up team all new talent working solely on their own new projects but Mm -hmm. um i guess this is what we're getting all right, guys, and that's actually going to do it for all of our news this week, except for the important enough news, which we will get into now. These are these stories that are important enough to make the podcast, but not quite important enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we have a couple to rattle off, starting with Windows Central reporting or relaying. that Call of Duty has had a fresh take on to Battle Royale experience with the Warzone 2.0, and this week, Activision announced that it had already crossed the 25 million player mark in just five days. For reference, uh, when Warzone 1.0 came out, it hit $30 million in 10 days, so this has, hit, this has almost hit that goal in half the amount of time, which is insane. Also, we weren't in lockdown when this game came out. We were in lockdown when the other one came out, so it's a huge, huge success so far for Warzone 2.0. I played a little bit of it. I, I didn't think it was too bad. I actually liked it more than I remember liked in the first Warzone, but I'll have to play more to give some serious feedback on that. But, um, yeah, it looks like it's pretty cool. I don't don't know. People are bitching just because people think it's fun to bitch and that they're cool for having, like, a counterculture attitude. But, like, dude, Modern Warfare 2 is a good game. (laughs) Warzone 2.0 seems like a big improvement over Warzone 1.0. I just think people are out there complaining to try and be cool and try to carve out some facade of, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why you would try to build your identity around hating Call of Duty, but it's a thing a lot of people do. Next up, EGC reports that Team Ninja have reportedly confirmed plans to reboot both Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive in the future. That's according to a translation talk uh, from the developer president that they held in South Korea last week during a. During a developer's talk, a slide in the report showed that at the end of the panel, images of both classic Team Ninja games along with the headline, the future Team Ninja reboot of popular series in, Jap- in Japan, and showed Ninja Gaiden. We haven't seen a mainline Ninja Gaiden since 2012's Ninja Gaiden 3. Yasudo, who was the director of Neo and its sequel, was a level designer for Ninja Gaiden 2 and directed the series in the third installment. It's first since the departure of lead creator Tomonubo Itagaki. So it feels like Ninja Gaiden's has largely been pushed to the wayside ever since Neo has kind of blown up been taken off ha- as it has so as team ninja continues to do more souls like games it's hard to see like when ninja guy is coming back but I, f- I really feel like there's a place for it so if, if these rumors are correct and we're getting some kind of reboot of ninja Gaiden, i think that'd be pretty damn cool to see next up ubisoft has some news they've released concept art for the upcoming splinter cell remake their remake uh, was released alongside the Splinter Cell 20th Anniversary video they released this week. Talking about the upcoming title, the game is being rebuilt in the Snowdrop Engine, which powers The Division, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, and an upcoming Star Wars game from Ubisoft to deliver a new generation of visuals and gameplay. The remake will also include a completely rewritten story designed to appeal to a new generation for players, which is kind of a red flag. Um, it's simply not a remaster, says Chris Ayutiv, the game di- creative director. And um, I'm, quote... It's being built from the ground up. We got all that content from scratch, fresh, ready to go. The associate level designer, Xavier Porter, continued, yeah, we're also aiming to create a top-tier remake and to push quality as much as possible. This should help us build a good foundation for the franchise going forward. So it looks like they're talking about potentially just continuing to build new um, Splinter Cell games after this remake and to kind of reimagine this into uh, a, a complete redoing of the of the Splinter Cell story which is interesting, I didn't know originally that's what we are getting. Next up, VGC reports, CD Projekt Red has showcased Witcher 3 Wild Hunt's upcoming next-gen update. It will be released on December 14th as a standalone purchase for Series X, S, and PC. It has a free update for players who already have the game on last-gen consoles and PC. Next up, the of Protocol Season Pass will include extra death animations for the protagonist Jacob and the enemies he faces. It's been confirmed. The details of the Season Pass were recently added to the game's Steam page, as well as typical content that would be expected for a Season Pass, such as new story DLC, the new areas and new modes. It also lists death animations for some reason, which is kind of weird. But also kind of weird that this game's getting a Season Pass. It feels like it's 2014 all over again. And lastly, Netflix is currently hiring for what they're calling a AAA PC game, according to a job listing. As spotted by mobilegamer.biz, the entertainment company is looking for a game director in an LA-based development studio that they're building from the ground up, saying, quote, we're looking for a creative and highly skilled game director to help us forge a new game, or the game direction and creative vision of a brand new triple a pc game the listing reads as a game director you will be the creative leader of one of netflix's first generation of internally developed original games so that is no surprise we know netflix is heavily invested in trying to get into gaming and there we have some more proof it's interesting that they're working on something so triple a as they say which is uh quite impressive because that would mean that they are getting very very serious to kind of put that money down although It's possible that they are saying AAA, but they don't quite mean AAA. But nonetheless, that is going to do it for all of our news this week, you guys. Thank you for listening. Now, let's quickly jump in, or let's round out the show, rather, with the comments. You know how it works. You go over to YouTube.com slash c slash xbox on podcast you click on the latest episode of the show and you drop a comment you say something nice like jesse i cannot believe you got phil spencer on the podcast this week that was so fucking insanely cool i can't wait till the next time you have someone like that on keep up the good work proud of you man or you can say something totally mean like jesse was phil spencer really there was he really going poopy for an hour and 45 minutes i don't believe you jesse i don't think phil spencer was really there and that would hurt my feelings because then you're calling me a liar and i'm not a liar i'm staring at my bathroom door right now the light is on the door is shut I still hear something. It sounds like he's got his pants down to his to his ankles. He's wiping his butt or something. I don't know what's going on there, but it's really none of my business. I'm just waiting for him to come out so we can wrap up this podcast as a team, as we were supposed to do. Phil, if you can hear me in there, uh, don't worry. I'm, I'm ready to record whenever you are. Yeah, give him a break, guys. His body doesn't handle dairy well, and I kind of forced him to eat a lot of a lot of Mexican food. It's just it's a whole thing, so please be nice about it. So anyway, let's get into the comments while we wait for Phil to come out of the restroom. And uh, I'll kick us off, and we'll read them in no particular order this year to celebrate the chaos of family discussions at the Thanksgiving table. I feel like that would be a nice way to organize our comments as well. Our first one comes from another than Cronky, who says, I think for me, there's been a year of A or whatever games like Dark Tide is, or a tier above indie. I love King Arthur, Knight's Table, Knight's Tale, and Beholder series, and the Warhammer games and Stalker. I think these are God of War, I think games like God of War can just go suck it. I'm not even an Xbox fanboy, I just miss games being fun. I don't care about cutting edge graphics or emotional storytelling. Kroenke, I'll agree with you to a point, I mean, I definitely care about cutting edge graphics and more importantly emotional storytelling i think that's one of the things PlayStation's done such a great job of is telling really compelling stories in their games but i think it's gone from being uh such an amazing inspiring thing that they do to becoming a crutch for them because sony doesn't make a lot of good video games they just make a lot of really good stories and worlds i feel like And um, we're starting to see that kind of have a negative effect in the industry where I feel like we're getting so many games where it's just all about trying to build emotional characters and great stories, but uh, the the attempt to tell compelling uh, stories through through addictive gameplay loops I feel like is starting to fall by the wayside so I agree to some extent it's as with everything it's a balance right now Sony's kind of on that downward swing with these things just because it's like a lot of us like like myself and yourself it's like we're just fucking tired of them making like the same kind of game over and over and over again I want something different and on Xbox I get tired as well it's like it's always going to be first person shooter or a western RPG but it's like I, I I want I want double I want something different sometimes, and that's why I'm so excited and so high on Evil West, and I agree. I feel like it's a, it's a great space right now and that it, it's been a decent year for games of that nature. It's also been a good year for indie games. we got Somerville. we got Nobody Saves the World. we got lots of things, Vampire Slayer, lots of games that have kind of taken the world by storm in those spaces. So, yeah, it's been a great year. Um, where the AAA games kind of slept, everything else kind of rose up and, and really came in full force and, and filled the crater of, of of game releases that we otherwise had this year. So, I good comment. I don't fully agree with it, but I agree with a lot of aspects of it. I agree with. I, I just agree with that we need a, a, a nicer variety in the industry, and, and I think that's what you're really getting at. And so, for that, I can't fault you or really disagree with you on that. Now, next up, Mr. Mal writes in and says the Little Caesars Pizza by me doesn't support mobile ordering. Mr. Maug, we need to just boycott Miss uh, uh, Little Caesars altogether because they're not letting you mobile order. I go there and they try to act like they're closed in broad daylight. Something's going on with Little Caesars. My guess is that Sony is, is probably trying to hinder their business so that people don't get Call of Duty codes from their Mountain Dew and their pizza so that it will hurt Xbox sales. So that Xbox will go out of business, and then Sony can buy Call of Duty for pennies on the dollar. That's my guess, but I could be wrong. Now Jay writes in the next and says, "I really enjoy Inside, and as for I'm about an hour or so into Somerville. It's pretty good. I'm not blown away by it, but I'm having fun." Well, Jay, I'm glad to hear that that's the case. That you know it's at least good, and you're having fun. I'm pretty excited myself to jump into that game. I, I didn't get the chance. I played too much Sonic, and now I'm on to Evil West. But I, I have it downloaded. I have Pentiment and Somerville. I have them both downloaded onto my Xbox, ready to go. But right now. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm giving Evil West my attention. There's just too, not enough time, too many games to play. You know what I mean, man? But I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it. Glad to hear some positive reception to it because I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about it, surprisingly. I thought it would get more uh, kind of press coverage than it has so far. Now, next up, Way of the Dolphin Butthole, also formerly known as Way of the Lau, writes in and says, Yo, 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 how's it going, bro? Hope you're doing well. I know you guys are all busy this week with the new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet coming out. But I wanted to take a time to talk to you about the good Monster Hunter, uh, to talk about how good Monster Hunter Rise is. And I don't think people acknowledge the fact that Capcom has consistently over the past year. Anyways, I hope you all have a good holiday and I hope you talk. uh, I I hope to talk to all of you on stream this Monday while Jesse talks about Call of Duty like a bad ex-girlfriend. Take care. Well way of the dolphin butthole. I'm glad you continue to be obsessed with Monster Hunter. But uh, I like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. I've am i been good to Modern Warfare 2. I'm enjoying the game. I'm being a positive force out here. I like Halo Infinite. These are the games we play on stream. Please just follow me on twitch.tv slash and uh, and watch your mouth. That's all I gotta say. Way the loud. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate you. Compassionate Choice LLC writes in with our next comment and says, I had to get hearing aids after stabbing my ears out from listening to you rant about this furry hedgehog for half an hour this week. We get it. You like Sonic. Go get a grilled cheese steak burrito. All right. Compassionate Choice. Hope you're feeling better, by the way. I know you had... You were, you were sick under the weather the other week. Hopefully, hopefully you're feeling much better. Thank you for writing in. But uh, you, you know you want to be mean about it. I can talk about something for another 30 minutes if that's what you want. I can do that. That's not a problem for me. Okay. If you thought this, if you thought last week was bad, just wait till you hear this week. I talked about him for another 20 minutes. Fuck you. And by the way, I love you. Have a great one. Happy Thanksgiving. And lastly, our final comment of the week ha- comes from none other than Head Hunting Halo, who likes to round us out with his nonsensical cuteness. And he says, "Dude, God of War Ragnarok has to be the best game I played in my entire life. I've played a lot of games. I've completed the story, and there's a lot of stuff to do afterwards. And it's a unique golden charm that everyone should play this. And also, Dead Island 2 is never coming. LOL. Also, remembers zebra stripe gum. Yes, I do. I actually recently thought of that. Almost bought some on Amazon now that you mentioned it. Um." I I don't think they make it anymore. Guess what? They made candy gummies out of zebra stripe gum. And it's damn. They have these. Where have these been all my life? The dog won't stop humping my leg, and as I comment, so I gotta go. I love you. Link me to the zebra gummies candies that you're talking about, Mister Headhunting Dog Humping. Whatever your name is, I, I, I'm intrigued. I would like to try these. Also, glad to see you're loving God of War. It seems like a lot of people are really loving God of War. I have made the decision personally to wait until it comes to PC. Uh, I'll just play it there. But yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to get into God of War. I, I I I didn't expect it to fall off my radar though, as much as it has, just because I've been so distracted by. Call of Duty, I want to get back to it because I'm still having fun with it. Sonic, I definitely want to get back and go get all the achievements, which I plan on doing. Um, I'm playing Evil West and having a great time, I'm excited about Callisto Protocol. I haven't even touched Pentamin or Somerville yet, so for me, I'm eating real good over on Team Xbox right now. Uh, I'm looking over at God of War, seeing all the praise, I want to get into it, it looks good. It does look like more of the exact same, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does look good. But I just feel like i got to wait on PC because at this point, my PS4 is on its last leg. It's dying. It's just asking for it to all be over, and I just don't want to use that for gaming. And I don't have a PS5, and I don't want to buy a PS5 right now, so... I, I think the way to go for me is going to be just to wait for the PC release in 6 to 12 months but with that said guys that's going to do it for our show this week I appreciate you guys listening and supporting the show as always please if you have the time and the uh, uh, the willpower to do so head on over to iTunes or other podcast services and leave a 5 star review subscribe on YouTube at Xbox uh, On Podcast um, follow me on Twitch at Lighty McStream and hang out with us on Mondays sometimes Sundays when we stream Halo Infinite or Call of Duty and just chill out for a couple hours also feel free to follow me on twitter if you want to see what kind of stuff i'm never tweeting because i try to not be on twitter anymore uh or just dm me there if you have any questions or want to get in touch with me for anything um you can follow me on twitter at Jesse derosa as always though i really appreciate you guys listening it helps me uh want to do this podcast every week and it makes it incredibly gratifying to do so i always appreciate you guys and your support for those of you again who are in the states hope you have a wonderful thanksgiving hope you have a great meal great time with friends and family and loved ones stay safe out there um that applies to all of you guys just take care stay safe out there be well play some video games have a great time give evil west and sonic frontiers a try they're good i promise until next week guys remember two weeks game uh, game awards we're getting close But until then, until next week, power your dreams.